All right. Welcome. Welcome to The Downside with Jamarco Sarezi. I am recording uh, from uh, Los Angeles. I'm back here. I'm at the new Third Wheel podcast studio, which is much nicer than my my little apartment studio in New York City. And uh, it's it's hard coming to this place and then going back to my apartment. It feels like vacillating between like being homeless and staying at, at the plaza. It's just a tough transition but now i'm in the plaza so i'm feeling good and i'm joined today a uh, very special guest shocked you, you agreed to be here uh doug benson stand-up comedian podcaster everything doug benson thank you for being well, here well you're you know i'm excited that you're on my coast and to hear that this is the better place to do it apparently <laughs> <laughs> and the, oh, here we go oh good there you go you know New studio, slight delays in the queues. It's all good. You're listening to The Downside. The Downside. With John Marco Cerezi. I really, it was a Hail Mary pass. I, 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 uh, I you know, I wrote. This has got a. Oh, there, oh, there you go. All right. Well, we're getting a, a discount on this one. I, uh, I wrote, you know, I wrote Obama first. And then from there, I messaged you second to see oh. if you could do it. And uh, thank you for agreeing. I, I'm glad uh, to jump in when, you know. Because if I were you, I would have said, "Okay, Doug, but let's wait a beat, <laughs> see what comes, up, see what happens with Obama. Give him a couple days. We'll you gotta wait you, a couple we'll days. We'll let you know morning of, Doug, if we're gonna have you or if Obama came through. If but. I if I canceled on you for Obama, like last minute, I said, Doug, sorry, Obama just came in. Would you be? I'd be so excited. I'd know where Obama's gonna be because you already <laughs> gave me the address. <laughs> so I'd at least get a, you know, maybe a cross the street selfie like where i'm in the foreground and he's just getting into a car those are fun that must be fun as a celebrity to just see people take <laughs> selfies with you in uh, the background the distance selfie yeah i don't i don't know how much of that i get anymore because uh my eyesight is such that if i don't have my glasses on <laughs> i would never notice uh, that that sort of thing going on so, so i guess i can imagine it's still happening all the time of course if you're listening if you see doug benson you can get close with that selfie he can't see for i won't shit. even notice that you're doing it I are you really that blind? rude at all no i mean you know across a room yeah I, that i'm that kind of blind with my glasses off like i've like i can see distances and i can see close up but in both cases i have a slight uh, I need a prescription. Do you ever think about laser eye surgery? I did get it done. Oh shit! Yeah. So didn't go great. I love it. I I loved it. Like, but it's but your eyes still degenerate uh, as they naturally that. would as you get older. It doesn't doesn't fix them from the the uh, aging process. Sure. So I'm still you know my now my sight's going bad like it normally would. Yeah. But I had a really nice run there because I I started wearing glasses when I was like 12 years old. And never, you know, tried contacts a bunch of times throughout my life, but never got the hang of it. So as soon as LASIK became a thing, when I did it, it was $2,500 an eye. Mm. And I did it at like the UCLA Eye Institute or something. Like, were you like, were you the, it was a test run? New. It was pretty new. That's scary. That's... I had heard that Kathy Griffin and Bob Odenkirk had both <laughs> had it done. And they neither one of them told me the horror stories. They just made it sound like it's, you know, 100%. Don't worry about it. And... It did uh, the first time I did it. It didn't take completely, and they so I had to go back for like touch ups essentially. Oh so, my god! So I kept having to have them do laser shit to my eyes. So that part of it, I wasn't thrilled about. But not having to wear glasses again for you know I I went a good 
good long stretch of just having you know pretty decent eyesight without any kind of uh, eyewear. All those whenever there's an operation, I always my mind goes to all the people who had to who got the bad version of it for them to figure it out. Right. Like my dad, my dad just had a surgery where they put uh, uh, he got a quintuple bypass and they put veins from his leg into his heart. And all I can think about is all the human beings that they tried different veins sure, from sure. different parts of the body. And then they said, oh, that didn't work. And just just the I'm sure some people were blinded as they figured out these these eye surgeries. Somebody's got to, you know, be the uh, do they even use that expression anymore? The guinea pig? Is that uh, you think you think are, is the guinea pig still the animal of choice when you're referring to just random testing that could do any possible horrible thing? To what you're testing it on? I imagine. But I, I also think with laser eye surgery, there's no way the guinea pig's eye is good enough. At some point, you got to make right. the leap. Maybe you the chimpanzee go human or something. Eye. No, I bet, you, I bet you the human eye is special. Like, I bet you, you know, maybe maybe there's some other crazy animal out there that has exactly the same eye as a human, but... If there is, I haven't heard about it. <laughs> <laughs> I need to. I, I'm thinking about getting LASIK because I, I could never do contacts. I got contacts twice, and they showed me how to put it in. And sure. they showed me, and then I would get to my apartment the next day. I would try to put it in. It was one of these activities that if it took longer than five minutes, I couldn't get it to stick, and I would start rage, filled yeah. with a kind of fury that I can't figure this out. It, it's it feels brutal. Weird. It's brutal. It's just some people, it's not, it's, I don't feel like it's meant to be or something. Cause I tried different types of contacts. I did, you know, went, went the route of like, you know, start off with hard contacts, then went to soft. Mm. But I guess now they're all soft. I feel like they're much better now, but still, I don't think I would be able to pull it off. Like when I would get one in, I just would spend the entire time thinking about how there's something on my eye. Yeah, yeah. I could never let it go. I could never just like, all right, I'm just going to chill, start acting like this is how I'm supposed to be able to see. Because that's the other freaky part is you can see better. Yeah. So you see well, but you know there's something on your eye. It's just- I don't like- My girlfriend, she, handle it. My girlfriend has the disposable ones and she- she gets very loose with leaving them on the nightstand. And so there's these little, like, <laughs> clear chips everywhere. Yeah. And, uh, uh, well, uh, I, I, I wanted, I had shit I wanted to talk about, but I'm so excited there's this scam going around. <laughs> I want to hear about That it. affected someone we both know. So I first heard about this. Some comedian reached out to me and they said, someone wants to hire me for a private gig. And they just want random roast jokes about random celebrities. The kind of direction that you're like, who would who would want that? Right. I mean, maybe for a writing packet, maybe, but for some private event, it didn't really make sense. No. And I saw someone posted, <laughs> like what they say, they said, hey, do you do private comedy gigs? This person said, yes, I do. I was hoping you could do a comedy video for me and my wife. Our anniversary is coming up, willing to pay $300. So not 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 a great gig. I mean, <laughs> if you're writing material for... So then... If you can tell some jokes, maybe roast a few celebrities, then just tell her I love her. That should be good. You can just pick random popular celebrities. Five to ten minutes should be perfect. Her name is Martha while I'm Gilmore. Strange typing. Sure. You know, something's a little off. <laughs> and uh, uh, basically what this person did is uh, – and I so I heard the my friend who didn't fall for it is they sent the $300 in advance, 
but sent accidentally $3,000 and then said to you, oh, fuck, I put another zero in. You know how that happens all the time. Can you send me back the $2,700 difference? Yeah. So uh, Renan Hirschberg, who has done your podcast Mm -hmm. and is a big, big movie buff, he posted that he... Uh, uh, he'd been scammed out of $2,500. They, I guess there's something, they sent the $3,000 and he thought the money was in his account because uh, uh, when the money shows up in your account, it doesn't mean that it's cleared. Or there's right. some, there's something there yeah. that that's what you, where you fall for it. Sure. So uh, any, any comedians listening don't do a, a gig for $300 where you have to write material. Number one, that's the first mistake. Unless you have that many celebrity jokes. I feel like you probably have some celebrity jokes saved up. Yeah, I still would have. I, this gig would have panicked me. I would have said, you know, five <laughs> to ten minutes of roast jokes where I don't know what you're driving at, like why you're asking me to do this. You know, yeah. like, like are they going to chop this up and make some silly Sure. Like make some weird video like Doug Benson's mad at Hollywood. And then it looks like I'm just standing at home ranting about all these celebrities. <laughs> I love that your your version of the scam is not that you were going to get scammed from money. It's a deep like your character will be dragged no, through the mud. They'll make fun of me somehow. Yeah. Because yeah. it can't be scamming me for money because like there's already that first step of like they, they sent me three grand. I'd be like, well, that was either – you know, they're either scamming me or I just made three grand. Yeah. You know, because I'm just going to hang back and see where this is going, you know, and then when they go, oh, we need 2,700 back, I go, I tell you what, I'm going to keep the three grand for a while. Yeah. And once I've had that money for a while, I'll send you back your 2,700. Mm-hmm. You know, once I've uh, been able to, you know, maybe even buy some things with <laughs> invest it. In it. <laughs> or invest in once it. Once I get the returns yeah. from the stock market, let that's me, when you'll get your money back. Let me play around with it a little bit. And because uh, you're obviously bad with money. So let me hold on to it for a little bit and get it back to you safely after my 300 has, uh, my 300 is cleared. But yeah, the, the setup was too much of a, I, I want, so did Renan make that video? That's, and you know what, I should, post I should write, that video? Renan needs to post, if you, you wrote these jokes, Renan doesn't do a lot of celebrity talk, I'm sure he had yeah. to dig deep, learn learn about some celebs, I'd love to see that video. They might not all be home runs, but he's uh, he's very funny, <laughs> he's a very funny dude, so well, just I mean, watching him attempt it will be fun. It'd be funny if it was so bad, everyone's like, you know what? You were scamming them with these shitty jokes too. <laughs> I feel like you were both scamming each was other. Was not worth three hundred. <laughs> these <laughs> setups were real just long. Laid down. <laughs> these these Britney Spears jokes were old. They were played out. Yeah. You ever you ever get either scammed or like not paid for a gig? Hardcore. I started like flashing on. You know, has something similar happened to me? And I'm having trouble thinking of one but i also always have had sort of a every time i'm interviewed somebody goes tell us about your hell gigs i'm like ah one time seemed you know i seem to recall like it's all all this stuff that's bad is more vaguely remembered yeah 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 you know i kind of push that stuff away you know yeah i just remember i've had y'all still do some shitty gigs and i i think i headlined some club in yonkers and uh I think I was supposed to be paid like 110 bucks. 
and then you get a hundred bucks. <laughs> right. And like the, the guy who ran the club wasn't the booker. The booker was my friend. And it was one of those where I'm like, how you ask yourself, how far am I willing to go for these $10 I was scammed out of? Mm -hmm. And you just end up going, well, I'd like to headline there again someday. So I guess I'm fine losing $10. Yeah. And then enough people do that. That adds up to they're a hundred dollars richer after two and a half months or however many comics they did. That's that why to. sometimes the money is so it's little. You're so like, dumb. why? Just give me the money. It's the same with all spot pay. I'm like, we're just talking twenty bucks here, twenty five. Sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny when they start counting the pennies, and like right now is a tough time for it too because, you know, if you go, hey, wasn't this supposed to be this? They they go, we are. It's a tough time. We're like. Yeah. You know, we're just trying to scrape our way back. And it's like, yeah, I get it, as are the comedians. Of course. Well, I'm, <laughs> every time I go to L.A., I get I get to do some great shows, but, but they don't pay. It's kind of like, you know, they're doing me a favor, just throwing sure. me on as a visitor. And it's like, it's fine, but some of these shows, they're so packed that I'm like, I'd love 25 bucks to go to the Uber that I have to take home from this sure. gig. Yeah. But I'm just still in a place. I'm still in a place of thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. There might be a casting director in that mob. Well, that's the nice thing, at least in LA. You feel like maybe <laughs> someone's might be here. Something, yeah. New York, it's that's that is rarely unless you're at the cellar or the stand right now. Sure, There's a few sure. clubs where like industries just coming on by. Yeah, I don't th and I they don't come out much in LA either, but they it does happen. So there's a, there's always that uh, that glimmer of hope. Yeah. These trips are a bloodbath for me. Uber wise, I don't drive. I don't know how to drive. Sure. So it's just Ubering everywhere. I like even to this I was in Santa Monica for something, and I'm so fucking dumb. I was like, oh, this is on Santa Monica Boulevard. Right, just go down the right. Boulevard well, a few just, blocks. Walk, I, in my mind, I was like, oh, I'll walk there. I have an hour. And then I, I pull up the map, and I'm like, son of a bitch. You can't call it Santa Monica if it's in – where are we right now? West Hollywood? Uh, No, just Hollywood. Hollywood. Or even East Hollywood. Yeah. So you, you grew up in San Diego. Yeah. And how – what is that, a plane ride from here? How long is that? Oh, it's a, you know, two and a half hour car ride, you know, because of the, the kind of traffic that goes between the two. You could, you know, you can do it in two hours if there's no traffic. And yeah. then, uh, lots of times it's just, it's, it's hell like getting down there, getting either direction for some reason. Also because Mexico's just beyond San Diego, like Tijuana. Uh. So like that whole stretch, uh, from LA down to San Diego and Tijuana is really, a mess like on weekends and stuff like it's the traffic's really bad did you do a lot of when you were a kid did you go to mexico for trips uh-huh yeah it was when i was a kid it was like a family vacation spot that yeah. was cheap like because we could also just do day trips you could just go to drive down there that's nice you know fuck around all day and then just drive back that same day like going to the beach or the mountains like that growing up in san diego was Pretty wild in that sense that I pretty regularly visited the beach, the mountains, and Tijuana, like all three of those things, uh -huh. <laughs> while living in temperate, beautiful, you know, 70 degrees all the time, San Diego. So it was really, uh, uh, I do think, a great place to grow up and close to, you know, and then I fell in love with the idea of being in show business. So, like, being that close to Los Angeles just... I can't imagine how many people just don't even try to have careers in show business because they live too far away. 
I, you know, that's, it was that's, easy for that's me. That's always to been do. my complaint. There's not enough people that want to get into show business. <laughs> yeah, we need more of them. <laughs> we need them from, to come from further away, take bigger chances. Because that was the thing: is I could always, you know, it was I, you know, I, I don't think I would move back home to my parents' home, but I could move back to San Diego if things didn't work out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in L.A., you know, so it was kind of a safety net i would have loved that i mean i was i was really i was in maryland and i i loved show business stuff but i just didn't i didn't know about how it all worked i would have loved to have you were you were like in studio audiences you were seeing live tapings of shows and stuff as a kid oh yeah yeah i mean i just uh, between between my school just doing random you know something about being in southern california they just put you in a bus and take you to disneyland and to sea world and to uh, TV show. See, tapings. I went to the fucking White House. I went to the, the <laughs> yeah. See the statue of Lincoln. Who gives a fuck about that? I don't want to do that shit at all. No, this was way more exciting, and I'd always ditch the group. You know, like I was running around like on the Paramount lot when the group came up. You know, a group of kids came up in a bus to see a taping of like uh, Mork and Mindy or something. What what grade are we talking about here? Uh, must have been like high school. And were you guys well behaved? Like my high school, they they did a again. This is like the boring East Coast. They went to go see a Twelfth Night at like the Warner Theater, and yeah. I I was sick that day, so I didn't get in trouble for this. But our grade was so misbehaved that the theater banned our school from ever doing a trip there again. I just can't imagine yeah. filming Theaters a TV show. Theaters are pretty hardcore, like and and they but they also give you that because it always shocks me when I see a Broadway show and you know you'll see like two or three rows of kids that are obviously all from the same school out of the same bus. Yeah. And you think this is going to be horrible, but they're all probably told over and over again about the sanctity of theater. Sure. And then also those old ladies that are the ushers in the theater probably aren't going to put up with too much either. You know? Yeah. But you hear stories. <laughs> there's definitely less. I remember there was, um, Hand to God was a play on Broadway, <laughs> and there was someone there. There was the set was very realistic, and it had plugs. And someone went on stage right. and plugged in their phone to charge it. Yes. And then there's a few actors like Patty Lupone. Oh, there was such a funny story. Patty Lupone, I guess someone was taking pictures, and she like stopped the show and fucking reamed them out. And it turned out they were, I think, with the New York Times or some other publication, and they were supposed to be taking sure, pictures. Sure, sure. But Patty just fucking read them the rights, right. screamed at them. Patty is someone I would be scared to to piss off. But I love that moment when somebody does take out their phone now with the way the usher will take their pointed flashlight and just run it on their face. Like, they'll just run I it haven't on. Seen that. They'll just wiggle it around, like, you know, like, until they notice and not stop until they put the phone away. And yeah. it's like, you know, everybody in the theater is like, all, it's like a, the Scarlet A or something. Like, everybody can see, oh, this person. It's almost like a police helicopter. Like, you know, you know you're the one yeah. when that light hits you and you're running down the street. <laughs> Now, do you do any of the shows? Do you do any any of your shows? Do you do the the yonder pouches, the, the yonder pouches where they take your phone? I have done that, and I like it, but I wouldn't I wouldn't personally institute it. Yeah, like if I owned a comedy club, I don't know if that would be a, a, a rule I would have because I know how much I don't want my phone taken away from me. I know there's a lot of people that we get to hold on to it. Well, yeah, you know, you could set it on vibrate. So if your phone vibrates, you can go have them unlock it in the lobby and then go outside and yeah, have a conversation. Yeah. So I do like that, but just the just how 
how much I'm addicted to my phone and looking at it and for, for everything, I just, just giving it up and then watching a show, I'd be thinking about, you know, oh, I can't wait to get my phone back. Yeah. Well, that, I think you find out just how addicted you are. I was yeah. at the comedy cellar and <laughs> they didn't have yonder pouches. <laughs> they had like a FedEx bag and they duct taped it shut. And the number what? of times I, I looked longingly at this bag, like I just want to, just yeah. want to look at, tweets for a second just when i glimpse at it make sure it's still alive it's it's i i always i'm a i'm a phone addict guy and i always think it's good when it's taken away for when my daddy had the surgery and it was one of these moments where i'm like i wanted i had you know two and a half hours with my dad before the surgery and i'm like be here joe marco yeah yeah so i really put the phone away but it's it's sad how often I'm like talking to my dad and he's like telling me how much he loves me and all I can think is like oh I cannot wait to see how that tweet is doing. Oh my god, I'm dying it's to see got it. A hundred likes <laughs> by now. Or worse, I oh my god, I I, when I, I was I, when I flew here, I put up a tweet. I wasn't very confident in it, and it was it was bombing, and I knew it was gonna bomb, and I was like I have to delete this tweet before we get in the sky, right. or I'm gonna have to pay for Wi-Fi just to not be embarrassed. Are you still on Twitter yeah. a lot? You're, you... Yeah, I'm pretty uh, pretty into it. I try. I I read less. I write more and read less. And my favorite thing to do now is find out what's trending, figure out why it's trending, and make the dumbest joke I can think of that doesn't uh, that isn't problematic. Mm. You know, which sometimes it still is, but at least it's with the other the side the the so-called other side, you know, like, of course, I'm just pissing off the people that are, are going to pay much attention to me to begin with. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you're in, you're in San Diego. You have, you have an older brother. Yes. Yeah. How yes. much older? Three years. And did you get along? No. Why? I mean, we got along in high school just because we just didn't talk much. Like he had such a separate life. Uh, by that point and was never home that we didn't talk much but he represented uh something that probably helped me out in my freshman year of high school because when i started freshman year he was senior year mm. uh first string uh football player uh you know like on the defensive line or some shit i didn't know enough about football then to know what my and that matter was doing at your school oh it was huge and also just him and his buddies were all just the biggest kids on camp you know they were all just big guys yeah you know so like it was just i i didn't to my knowledge i didn't really experience any bullying because he was there you know of course my sophomore year then he was gone and i had to that's when i had to develop a sense of humor it really you felt a shift that once he was gone people were like All well right, i mean finally, looking we get back to pick on, on this it, nerd looking back on it i real i realized that that was probably those things happened at the same time because i really started to perform a lot you know i like was in all the performing arts classes so i started like being more active in student shows where usually all the roles go to juniors and seniors but by sophomore year i was so fired up i was like kind of kind of unstoppable i'll never forget the the ego i had being a freshman <laughs> getting cast in 12th night at my high school and as a freshman and it was like freshmen didn't get speaking parts in the plays and that that was the last time i felt kind of good about where i was in show business <laughs> yeah we had a annual christmas pageant that we do every year and uh 
there's just like kind of a natural progression of like the, the kind of roles you play. Like when you're a freshman, you'd probably be like kind of in the background or, you know, a shepherd, maybe, maybe one of the three wise men at best. You know? <laughs> uh, then the next year you, 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 you know, you move up to one of the wise men or, uh, you know, Joseph or something. And then, you know, when you're a junior, you know, like it just would build up to eventually you'd play Jesus. Yeah. When you're a senior, like your most popular senior would probably play genius, but you could, uh, Jesus, but you could slip in there if you were just popular with the, you know, if you were just an entertaining student, you know, if you're like a class clown or like somebody that was, yeah. in, you know, I was in lots of shows that people would get to see instead of going to class and I would be funny. So like, you know, I was pretty well liked, but when it got to be, my turn to be Jesus, they changed the pageant. They decided to revamp it and took that scene out and replaced it with a Santa Claus scene. They cut Jesus <laughs> from the Christmas pageant. Yeah, that one year. It only happened one year, but the one year I could have been Jesus, I ended up having to settle for being Santa Claus. Settle? That's a good, you feel, I feel like you'd be it a was, good Santa it Claus. It was fun enough, but, you, you know. You were really bummed? You were, you were like, <laughs> no. Somebody, wait, what did Jesus? I remember that junior year was the person that was the class clown in junior year. Uh, you you could move your way up to there was a chef character uh, that had like a fat suit. And then basically they just gave me the same fat suit for Santa Claus in it, the next year. Uh, and so that that's another that was another disappointment. Like Jesus got to wear like cool robes and be the center of because the, the thing that was fun about jesus is you know this is of course before you know selfies and whatnot but you'd still end up with a cool picture of yourself like because it was like they'd recreate like the a last supper or something yeah you know, make it look like the the painting but you know some high school seniors jesus in the middle of it all with a fake beard did they did they do the Last Supper with Santa that year? Just Santa in the middle. Well, that's when they changed it up. They just made it a feast that Santa was having. It was it was it was a really it was poorly rewritten. Like they tried too hard to make Santa like they you know wanted Santa to have jokes you know, and I just wasn't I wasn't ready for it you know. Like I I did the best I could, but um, I wonder why. I wonder were they just trying to make it more secular to make the Jews so. feel a I little think, more comfortable? I think the lady running the drama department was like enough of this Jesus shit every year. You know, she was like, because she was pretty cool. Like, I mean, I had four years. I, I'd say, you know, everybody, not everybody, but people who think that a teacher inspired them. That one teacher, in my case, was the high school drama teacher because she was same. She was consistent for me because they had a drama program where you could that could be one of your classes during the day all four years of school no hardly anybody would do it like by the time i had been you know once i was in fourth year drama my class was you know three or four other people yeah you know because they don't last that long you know like a lot of people drop out of drama after the first year because they're like oh shit they kept making me get up and do things in front of the rest <laughs> of the class like they it's so amazing how how shy everybody is in drama class it's yeah like you've signed up for drama class you know, but they're still terrified, most of them. And I was just, anytime the teacher gave us any kind of assignment, I would be want to go first, you know. Of course. I was so, so super into, so proud of myself that I could do these, you know, things, even though, you know, sometimes she would be pretty harsh in her uh, criticism. Yeah, you know? some people, 
just don't want to do I, my 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 younger sister she like i'm back in kindergarten she wouldn't do the they did a halloween recital where she was supposed to dance in character yeah and like they played a whole song for her to do it and i was watching it and they called her name and she just sat she didn't want to stand up she was so shy that they just played this music for three minutes with no oh. one dancing in the middle and then they moved on to the next next segment and it's just such a it was just a moment of where we are totally different people I was in the audience as like a fifth grader. I was like, I will take this. Spot. Yes, I'll I would gladly dance. <laughs> I'll school these kindergartners. They don't stand a chance. Um, so, was this a, a religious school? Were you religious? No, no. My, I was, I was raised Methodist, and I couldn't tell you anything about being Methodist other than just seems like all the normal. Just Jesus wears Jesus stuff. cool like, robes. Like my parents took us to Sunday school every Sunday until. Like when my brother was like when I started high school, you know, my brother was like, you know, 17 or 18 and I was like 14 or 15, uh, maybe even younger. Yeah, I think I think around 12. When I was 12, my brother was 15. I just said to my parents one day, I don't want to go to Sunday school anymore. And they went, oh, OK, we'll stop doing that. <laughs> like it was that easy. Like I just wished I had done it so much earlier um, because they just take us on Sunday mornings and drop us off. And then you'd go in there and listen to somebody talk about God knows what <laughs> for like two hours. And then they'd come pick us up again. And my parents were thrilled to stop doing it because they didn't, they didn't have to get up on Sunday and take us there. And then sure. go, you know, it was all those trips back and forth that they didn't have to do anymore. My dad especially was excited because he was a golfer. He loved to golf in the mornings or watch football. He didn't want to be in church. Yeah. We went to church on Christmas and sometimes Easter. That was our, that was as a family. That's how often we went to church. So I was like, if you're not going to church, you can't make us go to Sunday school. Sunday school is supposed to be while the parents are in church. The youngest kids are just in a room, you know, trying to, you know, they're getting them brainwashed early. Mm-hmm. But, oh, my God, it's just all so boring. They don't know how to make it interesting because, like, Bible stories are made into movies over and over and over again because shit actually happens. Yeah. There's exciting stuff in there. My friend said the Bible <laughs> is the most interesting stories told in the most boring way possible. Yeah. It just, I, I tune out immediately. Like, when, when the Bible is a category on Jeopardy, I'm just like, I'm not going to know it <laughs> unless it's something as dumb as, you know, who put a bunch of animals in an ark. I'm not going to know the answer because I just I just have always tuned out everything biblical, even biblical movies. When I was a kid, I thought all of those were boring. So are any like are those. there any good Bible movies? <sighs> not to me, because it's once it's Bible, it's already like, oh, they're just going to look a certain way and they're just going to, you know, it's just going to be frustrating, like, you know. Like yeah. Last Temptation of Christ and stuff like that. I can't even watch that. It's like, why? What? He's doing what for our sins? I just hate the. <laughs> you, I remember there was some Bible TV series, and someone said the devil looked very similar to Obama, <laughs> and oh so I just hate. I I think it's just always, and it happens again with like abortion, where all of a sudden. I'm reminded there are a lot of religious people in the world or it just mm. you'll hear politicians talk about religion and and you want to you wish you could I wish I could get them on a lie detector to be like you don't believe in this right this is just like all all a front I feel like there was yeah. a time when they also were kind of religious maybe but 
then you hear people. I remember that uh, Mitt Mitt Romney. There was some like pod, basically a podcast or a radio thing. We started talking about what he believed, and when he started talking about it, like Jesus will come back and he'll put his finger on the olive tree and the second. Yeah, yeah. And you were like, whoa, like oh, you actually, yeah. There's there's a lot of people you're like, oh, you, oh, for for real. Yeah, he's really into it. Whereas like uh, you know, I don't know, like Mike Pence or somebody, he's just pretending. He's just like, I'll just say, but I can't this. tell. I'll say I don't this. know if Mike Pence, Ted Cruz, he must be pretending. <laughs> Pence, I don't know. I don't know if he goes and he sits down. I mean, I guess he could. He could be that. Silly, I guess, to really believe all that stuff. Do you have any any religious bone in your body? Or are you? I just don't. I just never. My parents didn't encourage it, and then I got out of the game pretty early, and never, never looked back. I really, uh, yeah. I just don't. I'm not like I don't walk around going, "I'm an atheist." I yeah, don't yeah, say yeah. that because you know. Something happened. Something made all this shit, but I don't think the, the the you know that one version gives us the the uh, the answers. Are there any big weed religions? Any any like? <laughs> I don't think there's any. I mean, I'm sure you know somebody will tell you there is. There was a guy that I followed for a little while. Uh, his progress because he kept trying to open up uh, churches in the Los Angeles area that were uh, exempt from. Um, persecution for for weed or taxation on the selling of it because it was a a religious thing yeah and he just couldn't uh you know he just could get shut down every time and couldn't was this couldn't before keep it afloat before <laughs> this is before was... medical and then now recreational and so now there's less of a need for anybody to be like well i've got to create a place where you can buy and use marijuana yeah. well it's like it's called california that's, yeah, that's the place now, <laughs> but there still might, a la Scientology, somebody could still keep trying the idea of like a weed religion to in order to like uh, sell and not be taxed. Sure, on, on the weed you sell, they could still pursue that angle. I don't know if Scientology do. I don't know if they have a view on weed. I I just you know I just know Scientology's view is just to get all the money and then not pay any taxes on it because it's. A religion. Being in LA, do you do you, have you interacted with with a lot of Scientologists? Not very much, you know. I like cruise right past them on the sidewalk when they, you know, are pamphleting, you know, because because also you know which buildings. That's the crazy part is how much real estate Scientology owns in Los Angeles. They I, there's that purple they building. Own is billions of dollars of real estate because they just like so many places you turn, especially in Hollywood. Uh, you just if you. Don't even really have to look at the fine print. You just have to read what it says on the building, and it's, it's so much Scientology everywhere. I feel like if they had back in my acting days, if they had mixed an acting class with Scientology, they could have gotten me. Like that's how they would have. It would have been show business related. I mean, this is yeah. a good place to get people who need some guidance, who need no, some structure. <laughs> I, I, I wish I could turn to fucking something, but I. It's everybody's on their own, you know, like they don't go after like football players, you know, yes. or anybody that's in team sports, you know, like basketball players aren't going to be easily talked into being Scientologists because they already have a winning team or, or at least the team that's paying them and it's their livelihood and it's causing all their success. Yeah. It's these out of work actors fresh off the bus that Scientology gets and then you're getting all these potentially future famous people. That That's the whole thing is just they would love to have more famous Scientologists to 
show off. But even the famous ones, I feel like I I I feel like they're not as public anymore because they know it's like kind of career no, suicide. No, they keep it really quiet. But when pushed, they they always defend it eventually. Yeah, but, but not too many people push because that's just not where, where we're at as far as. Uh, I mean, we know Tom Cruise is a Scientologist, so how how much is anybody going to get out of him by trying to get him to say s- something negative about Scientology or something? Like, you know, a couple questions into that line of questioning and you're he's going to shut it down one way or yeah. the other. You know, like he's either going to leave or say you must move on to something else. What did you think of that? Remember <laughs> that rant he had during where they started filming the Mission Impossible? And people yeah. were, at the time, people were so frustrated with people not like you know wearing their mask and stuff people were like yeah tom cruise tell him and there's another part of me i don't know there's a part of me i was like well what's tom getting paid versus his crew member getting paid what are the what are the working circumstances i just think it's what should always be hesitant to rah rah (laughs) the person in power the producer star and director i don't know i never watched the clip does he have a mask on while he's yelling uh, it's just audio. I think he d- he did. Okay. Because that'd is... be really funny if he's screaming at everybody about mask wearing while <laughs> having his mask off because that's that's part of it is that when he's on set playing Ethan Hunt or whatever, he gets to take his mask off. Yeah. So his mask's off a lot of the time on set. And so to yell at somebody for taking it off for a moment because they're tired of having their face wrapped in the middle. They're probably shooting in the desert or some shit. Yeah. I mean, I just oh, I sure. acknowledge a that wearing a mask, fire. wearing a mask all day, must be brutal, and I and I feel bad for everybody that has to do it, and that's why, you know, it's been easy for me to be like, yeah, wear a mask because of how what short period of times I have to do it for, and I can yeah. wear like the most comfortable ones and and just sort of you know take it off like. Like this whole thing, this loophole of like you go places and they go, you can take it off while you're eating and drinking is hilarious because somebody will just sit like with a coffee and the mask off. I'm drinking, (laughs) you know, hanging for the longest time. You're like, well, that's I remember cheating. One of the first comedy clubs I did back indoor indoors it was a casino and the rule was if you were eating, you could take off their mask. And so they just gave everyone a bowl of chips. (laughs) <laughs> Just so they could take off their masks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, you know, you guys are about to have, is there a mandate right now? Does every business have to look at a, a vaccine card right now? I don't think so, but they just, they're starting to make the LA school district is going to start mandating yeah. uh, at like 16 and up. Everybody has to be vaccinated and they're going to try to move those numbers down to younger i think mm, mm. i mean they were just saying this morning i mean every time you turn on the tv breaking news you know like the rules just uh shift well, you guys are the most so much more intense than new york but your numbers are also really good i saw something i guess so. had the lowest transmission yeah. rate i guess you know i just i just do my own thing which is to just not not why take any chances like, yeah why not just do everything as as safely as possible or just not do things that don't seem safe, you know, mm. like big, I'm just not going to go to a big concert with a lot of people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I'm just not going to do that yet. And that also feels like that's sort of how the public feels too. Like it's kind of hard to sell some of these big events unless the big event is the point is we're all going to thumb our nose at 
yeah, yeah, wearing yeah. masks. We're getting it's together. It's a Kid Rock concert. Yes, exactly. Like, <laughs> all these things, you know, you just know by what the event is. It's like, oh, they're going, it's a political move to go and yeah, not have the mask and show everybody how silly they are. So, so you were <laughs> this theater kid in high school. You you start as Santa. You you did. Were you doing a lot of shows? Were you the lead? You were the lead by senior. No, year? not the lead because I wasn't like really a song and dance person at all. And my school, the teacher insisted on, you know, every year she'd do a play and a musical, mm -hmm. and so like the timing just had to be right. So I'd, you know, I get roles and things, but like in the musicals, I'd have like a, you know, a character who either doesn't sing or doesn't sing. Yeah. only sings with the group. Like the, the the guy's played by. Like the old man song that comes out and he's like, I'm kind of talk singing. Just just stay on the rhythm. Yeah, exactly. And I, I've, you know, really rode that my entire, uh, <laughs> every time I'm in a musical, I'm either in the chorus or just uh, have a, have a sing-songy, you know, have a song that's not really singing. I, I would like to really take it on sometime, like really actually learn how to sing. Because I feel like I could learn to sing a song and hit all the notes right. I just don't think I'm as good a good singer. Sure, I think that's a reasonable goal. One yeah. song, because I feel like in just doing impressions of existing songs, I can carry a tune. Mm. You know, I can whistle a tune. You know, I just don't just the hitting all the actual notes and being not being pitchy and all that sort of stuff. That uh, I obviously would be uh, terrible at that. And so, uh, so you so you graduate. When did you move to L.A.? Right out of uh, uh, four years of not really going to college. Uh -huh. Like I spent the college time going two and a half years of uh, junior college, you know, uh, yeah. community college. And then a year and a half of just working three jobs in San Diego, knowing that I was going to, you know, just move to L.A. You're saving up. And then see what happens. Sure. And what kind of, were you acting right out the gate when you got here? Were you doing extra I, work? Well, I was, yeah, I was doing extra work in movies and TV shows like immediately. Like I was immediately in movies that like are like known to this day. Yeah. It's wild. <laughs> like, cause it's just, you just, back then, you know, obviously things are probably a little different now, but it's probably essentially the same game where you just find out from the other, you know, you go be an extra in one thing. You yeah. know, and you find out from the other extras, well, here you can call this guy, you can call that guy. Like there used to just be lots of extra casting agencies in LA that you just sign up with all of them, make sure they have your picture and all your information. And then some of them would even have like a, a day and time that you, you know, like each day you call, like call us at three o'clock, see if there's any work the next day. And then, so you just, it's almost like, uh, you know, like a jury duty system or something like that, where you just sort of, you know, just get called up when they need you. Yeah, it moves. I, I only did it once. Uh, I did extra work on Wolf of Wall Street, and I felt like really excited. I was. It was the non-union extra, mm. and it was. It was a tough. Exp I had done a couple acting things here and there. <laughs> I'd gone to theater school, and you go there, and they were giving us all these period haircuts. It was just incredible to think how much money was going into people who probably weren't even going to be on screen. And this was like one of these uh, boardroom or, or stockbroker scenes. So there are like 400 men right. in getting these haircuts, all of us in suits. And it felt, I don't know, it was it was tough that, you know, there were some people there who like really thought they were, 
this was the stepping stone to being they they would talk yeah. about Marty and they would just talk about Marty and what Marty was like and the time Marty said something to them and they just talked about Martin Scorsese in a way that you were like it felt uh, delusional yeah and uh uh especially when you were a non-union extra i mean the sag extras would get to eat first and so you're you're going up there to get the watermelon rinds yeah. and it it was i it it made me too sad. It made me sad. <laughs> I don't know if I did it when I was too old, but it was like uh, uh, I was. I also was like obeying the rules, so I didn't bring my phone. But we were there for eight hours in a boardroom scene, and all the guys started fucking around. They started putting post its on people's backs until um, one of the, the the director, you know, Martin Scorsese, walkie talkie down to the fourth director and said, "Marty said someone walked by with a post it that said I have herpes.'" You guys need to knock it the fuck off. <laughs> and they just yelled at us. And it was like, well, of course you have 400 unsuccessful actors in a room for eight hours. Yeah. Just watching their dreams happen like 300 feet away from them. They got it's, their hair cut like they were going to be on camera. Yeah. Like they were going to be. It was going to matter. I, I I heard of someone who did a <laughs> normal heart and they thought he was going to be a, a featured extra. And so they shaved his head. <gasps> and then at the end of the day, they're like, nah. And, you know, he got whatever $50 bump sure, you, got you get bump. for shaving your head. But it's not a good enough bump to make up for the, the big fucking bump on your head. No. I was just used to, like, wardrobe bumps all the time. They were always into, you know, giving you 10 bucks for bringing your own suit. And I would take it gladly. Of course. I very excited. I love that. Where, but sometimes you only, bring, you only bring the top. And it's, like, got to be a top and a bottom to get the bump. Yeah, and it's also like, but all of them want like they want you to bring options to choose from. Like it's the duffel bags that you travel around. The things they put you with. through. It's uh, you know, and then the, and then where they want you to change. You know, I'm sure women can complain much more about it than of I course. can. But like, still, I just was always uncomfortable. Like, just go change in this trailer with a bunch of people. And, yeah, and, and yeah, it's a uh, it's a weird game. But like, I would I early early on. Or early enough, I got to be like, you know, have moments of being the center of attention that would just sort of encourage me. And then eventually, uh, it didn't take me very long to start being a stand-in, uh. which, you know, makes you feel important on the set because they're always calling for you. They always need you. The they need you standing you. by. You're standing there. Yeah. And sometimes in a lot of cases, you get to go through all the motions the actor just did because they're practicing like a camera move while the actors are gone. So, uh, you would know. you act it? Would you like? Would you, would you try to like walk <laughs> as much with as the you intensity? could get away with? You know, like because uh, they would just you know tr treat you like you were being silly. Because it's, it's more like just the body being in this yeah. the space, you know. But but every once in a while, you'd get to really have to act something out or like like there's um in the um the second uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movie, Freddy's uh. Revenge. The, when the the scene where the gym coach gets killed, I was his stand-in, so uh, they let him go uh, early instead of paying him overtime. Yeah, they let him go, and then all the close-ups of his hands and and wrists are me, <laughs> like throughout that scene, like because he's like trying to open up a, a lock on a locker at one point. And, yeah, but every time you see close-ups of his hands, it's just my hands, and I was twenty, thirty years younger than the man at the time. Uh -huh. And they didn't care. And nobody's, I've never what read anywhere hands. somebody going, why does he have child hands? 
Why does this grizzled old coach have the uh, the hands of a 20-year-old, 23-year-old? I see, if I had done it, I probably did it like in my later 20s. And if I had done it earlier, I think I would have been like cool with it. It just felt sad. I mean, it was my, you know, that was the thing as I went to LA with a only showbiz jobs. So like I never waited tables. I never bartended. That's a good point. But I did a lot of grovelly, snivelly, shitty jobs that, you know, that actors have to do. Like I used to do the inviting people, uh, you know, standing out at the mall or wherever, inviting people to test screenings of movies. I've never heard of, you know, yeah, like that used, that was uh, a pretty so decent like paying job. Barking. Basically, yeah. to get people to come to a research screening of like Ghostbusters without the special effects put in yet, and really? then you know, and then people fill out the cards afterwards, the comment cards, and yeah, research screenings used to be a bigger. I mean, obviously the pandemics certainly cut back on that sort of thing, but even prior to that, I felt like it wasn't as big as it used to be. Like a lot of big studio movies, like you know, famously like Fatal Attraction, the ending. Uh, you know, Glenn Close's character doesn't get her comeuppance. You know, she doesn't get killed. Yeah. Uh, she just sort of continues on or whatever. Um, and the chest audience hated it so much that they, you know, put the money together to go in and film her getting blown away. And then, of course, everybody loved that. <laughs> when the misunderstood crazy woman get, just gets murdered, that takes care of the problem. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh so yeah, so test audiences used to be a big thing. And so like that was another thing where I thought, hey, I'm, I've made it. I'm in show business because, uh, you know, I'd they'd have the filmmakers and the actors sometimes would be at these screenings. So I get to sort of, you know, I used to go to those screenings before I started working for them. I used to. And the thing is, is you have to ask people, are you related to, are you in show business in any way? And then when they say no, you give them the tickets to the movie. But I used to just go to them all the time. I used to just lie and say, no, I'm not, yeah. a, I'm not an actor or whatever. And they uh, think you're going to, you're going to lie. It's like they're related to, you know, someone who plays the barista. They look like, their notes are going to be like give that barista a bigger part they should they should bring that yeah. barista for the ending to save the day i think i don't know how much they read the uh comment cards at the, at the end of those i used to just write and write and write everything i thought they would need to change you know yeah, as if they're gonna cases, look at your card and be like who is this guy yeah we need to get him in the room got some great <laughs> ideas got some great ideas he is really gonna turn this movie around <laughs> uh yeah it's uh that you get that diluted it's like you ever just scroll down and read the uh, user reviews on IMDb, like for a movie, like to, because they just allow, I guess you have to sort of sign up or something, but once you're in the system, you can just, anybody can just write a review. Yeah. And the writing is so terrible, but then also so shitty to the movie they're writing about. Like they're trying to be shitty to this movie and then it's poorly, their review is poorly written. Mm -hmm. And I just want to scream because there's no, there's no response area. You know, yeah. it's, so I try not to read those because they're so aggravating. I always, I, whenever you get those kind of reviews, I always, I'm always like, or you know, mean comments on something. I'm like, well, who's the person that would go out of their way to write this? It's not a person I, I would like. Yeah, it's so, not a person I would normally speak to because they'd be too shy or too disinterested to even come up to me in in a public setting. You know, they just come, they just lash out at you because it's some, it's been made so easy. Mm-hmm. It's just so easy to write a shitty thing to somebody and go back to your day. Yeah. You know? So then 
you so you're you're barking you're getting these reviews <laughs> yeah. you're writing intense screen oh, and notes. i was a uh, tour guide at universal studios for a little bit was that fun yes i think i did that <laughs> yeah. when i was like a kid like is this where what do you go past like what do you show them on the tour oh back then it was the whole thing like you the tour would be three or four hours long depending on uh if the tram broke down or not because uh especially on hot days they had these big old stupid trams full of people that would break down and you're sitting in the front with a you know a microphone uh you know a mic and you would have to wherever it broke down, you'd have to talk about whatever's around. Like you'd have to look over and be like, well, this is where John Ford made many of his Westerns, including blah, blah, blah. And you'd have to just fill the time yeah. until somebody either comes out and fixes the <laughs> tram or pulls up another one for everybody to climb into. But the idea was, oh, it was never to be like, hey, we've broken down. Let's just wait for help. Uh -huh. it, you always had to act like the tour is just supposed to stop here, and I'm supposed to talk for <laughs> 40 for. minutes. Let me list uh, the the crew members in yeah. alphabetical order. Oh, it would get so ridiculous because we just learn all these facts without really having any interest in them or sharing them. You know, so now I've gone on the you know the tour a couple of times just as a a, a regular person, not the tour guide, and whoever I'm with, I drive crazy with. Oh, here every time I would say this or that, because also you learn from the other tour guides what like good jokes you can make. Yeah, and my favorite was always telling everybody to put their seatbelts on when they first got in the tram because it didn't have any seatbelts. <laughs> but people would look for way longer than it would take forever for some people to realize they were being uh, teased. Oh, so uh, well, there's the fun in it. I thought to yeah, see no, people fun really stuff struggle. Like that. Yeah, but. Now, but, when you were doing that, were you like, <laughs> were, were you were you doing that seatbelt joke, and you're like, I think I really nailed that. I, this was before you were doing stand up, right? It was a, uh, it was fairly uh, like concurrent. Like I, all it took was a few months of living in L.A., and all the people I knew were just constantly telling me you should do stand up. So I just went to the comedy store. Were you ever using those tours to maybe slip in a joke? Or vice. Oh, were you at the comedy club? Like, um, remember to put on your seatbelts. And yeah. everyone's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> everything I did was, I, I was always, you know, collecting funny things to do and say and then repeating them in the moments where they uh, uh, apply, you know? So, like, anytime I'm on a microphone and I might be able to trick people into thinking there are seatbelts, I'd probably say that. <laughs> it's just in my, you know, it's just baked in now. But, like, some of them, some of the things were really fun, but other times, like, you know, you'd be joking around all day and never get any laughs from every, anybody because oftentimes there's, they don't speak English. Sure. Well, or they're just the entirely too. disinterested in, you know, uh, being there. Like, there's just so many faces. You just see them just, they, they either don't care at all or they have resting, I don't care at all face, you know, and they just don't know that they look miserable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, so I, I didn't last very long at that, but I, I, you know, there were a lot of, a lot of fun things. Like there was a part where you get a little kid from the audience and they, they're going to sit on uh, the bike with E.T., in front of a green screen and then they make it, they show the audience, look at how it looks like he's in the movie. And they, you know, show him flying with, uh, on the bike. And, um, but there's like a moment like where the kid's sitting there and something else is happening on the stage. And, you know, you just have a moment with the kid where you can say something to them. So I would say, 
when I ask you what your favorite movie is, say Citizen Kane. And it's like a six or seven year old, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and most of the time they would do it. Like every once in a while they just get confused by why is this guy asking me to do this? But most of the time they would do it. Maybe they were like 12. But anyway, um, so then you'd just be like, what's your name, Tammy? Oh, what's your favorite movie? Citizen Kane. Like, and then the audience would roar. It was just like such an easy laugh. That's a good every, every time. But I just heard it from somebody else. You yeah. know, it's like how vaudeville used to be yes. like just comics, just doing jokes. They heard, uh, you know, just picking the best ones and adding their personality to it. I and, would have made it Schindler's <laughs> list. I think. Would right. My, well, that's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing. Looking back on it, it's like, I could have done, I could have gone darker. I think I tried every once in a while, a, a different movie, but Citizen Kane was so perfectly like just a, even if you don't know what Citizen Kane is, you know, it's not for children, you know, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. you know, it's highfalutin, you know? <laughs> I am thinking about a five-year-old saying it. It would be, it would be an amusing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we went that young, but, but you know, you also had like, there's a a whole fo a demonstration how how foley artists work. Yeah. So like you at one point you take a brick and throw it through a piece of glass to show like that you know that they just literally do that to make the sound of glass breaking. But then they have a foam brick sitting there, and so you pick that one up and throw it into the crowd. So everybody just fucking. I'm just shocked that nobody ever gets a like has a heart attack in that moment where <laughs> they think a, where they think die. a brick is being thrown at them. But you know what I mean? It's weird that heart attacks aren't brought on more by like a jump scare, like somebody jumping out at somebody and then they just go, "Oh shit," and then yeah. having a heart attack. Like I'm surprised cuz like especially little kids love jumping. I love jumping out of the closet at my grandmother. And no one would ever take me aside and go, "Stop doing that to your grandmother." Did, did they like she, your grandma? Maybe they were like, time. "Keep doing it. We're gonna help. We're gonna help you make this. Let's get you a no, mask." She was a, she was a very nice uh, grandmother. Like, did she, she awesome. like it? Because I love a good scare, but I don't know if I don't, I'd like it. No, she would always, you know, kind of walk it off pretty well. You know, like not act upset about it for very long. But still, in the moment, it's just like you're just scaring an old person. Like it's just something uh, a child would, doesn't think about. I would watch about. a movie, a drama about it, where someone lives, you know, their life has gone to shit, and you find out flashback when they were five, they jump scared their grandma, and she death. died, and it just shook up their whole life forever, and they were just trying to be funny. But just the filmmakers that have made so many movies where, like, there's some directors that's all they do is just set up the next jump scare. You know they're like, proud they if someone dies. Do they ever think about it? Do they think about how many people they've killed? If if I made someone laugh so hard they, like, choked and died, there is a part in me that would go, like, that was a good joke. Yeah, and you'd have a new Twitter bio. Yeah. Robin Williams, I always remember Robin Williams, I guess, when he did Inside the Actor's Studio not a notoriously hilarious show, but made it so funny. Someone in the front row laughed so hard they got a hernia. And wow. I thought like, mm. that's the kind of laughs that guy got. Like just people just lost their minds. Whoever got it. It wasn't like the healthiest dude in the world who got a hernia. Sure, <laughs> so sure. They, they were hernia prone, <laughs> not to discredit his accomplishment. <laughs> But that happens sometimes, like you ever, like people s say it all the time, and I believe them when they say it, but like when it happens to me, I find it very surprising when you enjoy something so much that your face hurts afterwards. Mm -hmm. It does happen to me, but it's pretty been pretty rare. You yeah. know, it's usually like a more like a Broadway show will do that to me, where like afterwards I'll be like, God damn it, I was smiling that whole fucking time. What was the last Broadway show you, you saw and loved? Uh, well... 
That is a great question. Aladdin just got shut down, so they're reopening. And Aladdin, I guess, opened. All these Broadway actors, they've been out of work. They fucking yes. got back in shape. Yes. They did their show. I think it was they had two breakthrough cases, and now they have to shut down for another 10 days or something. <sighs> and I just, I cannot imagine, I cannot imagine getting back into Broadway shape for that show, very athletic show, sure. and just immediately yeah, having nice to pause try. again. Um, Ooh, that's terrible. Like, I, I, I'm trying to remember like what, oh, like it was probably like a maybe Jagged Little Pill. Oh, Cause, yeah? Yeah, because when we were watching the uh, Tonys the other night, mm -hmm. me and my girlfriend were like, in the musical category, we'd seen Jagged Little Pill and Moulin Rouge, but we hadn't seen Tina Turner. And was there another musical that came up a lot at? It was basically a three musical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Night, there wasn't you know, a lot. Like, it was between three Moulin things Rouge? all night. Moulin Rouge and uh, the other one we saw, because you know it was a it was a truncated season. There were several shows, lots of shows that were about to open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When the pandemic started, wasn't the best actor just one nominee? It, it was Aaron Tveit, and he won. And he naturally. won, but they made a serious announcement before he came out that the Academy rules stipulate that he had to get 60 percent of people to, to mark his name even though he was the only option they do that sometimes with the the pulitzer awards where like they'll have a short list but no one wins and i'm like what the fuck just give it you gotta give it to someone you don't gotta be yeah. a dick no one's even worthy of this but i think they just brought that up just to create false suspense and cut to him in the audience like you know because he's sitting there you know and they call off his name and and he had his speech, obviously. Can you prepared. imagine how humiliating it would be? You're on TV, you made it to Broadway, and they're like, you were the only nominee, but you still didn't no, win. Sorry. You still lost. Sorry, um, before we got to This Has Got to Stop, I was I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, because whenever, whenever I go to L.A., it feels like uh, weed culture is like it. In New York, it was just legalized, I think. And it, I always think of L.A. like, oh, it's going to be kind of like this in New York soon. We'll have the Mad Men's. I'm sure they're just dying to open in, oh, in New sure, York. Oh, sure, yeah. And uh, unfortunately- Dying to tax the hell out of it. Of course. W since this is the downside, you know, you've been, you've smoked weed from before it was legal. Did you ever think it would be this legal in your lifetime? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, because it's just always been marching towards it. Like, it's always, like- the amount of resistance I've gotten in my life for being an advocate and, you know, clearly being high a lot of the time has, you know, shown me that, you know, everybody can be cool with it. Yeah. It just needs to, you know, so many, you know, they just, um, oh, where was it? Somewhere just, just overturned, like expunged like 60,000 marijuana related cases. But now I forget which state That's it was. That's good. And that feels like it should be. But that's just like such a small amount, but it sounds like a huge amount, 60,000, you know? Yeah. So it's like, it, it, we, there's still so much work left to go. No one uh, should be able to make money off. No one should be able to make yeah. money off this shit until- Well, I mean, I, that I kind of have a career built off of it is, yeah. you know, it's shameful that uh, some people are in jail for the same thing that uh, I've been able to use to, uh, you know, to thrive. I think John Mulaney in one special, he was something about people were cheering about being legalized, and he said, white people, calm down. It's always been legal for us. Yeah, Just it's the, true. the kind of trouble you could get in was just such so much less. Yeah, but I was still had that paranoia. I still had to deal with all that, you know, my whole life, and still to a little degree, but not so much. Now it's mostly like, you know, hotel rooms and stuff. They're really, 
they're really still crazy about yeah you know there's no hotels going hey smoke all you want you know it's, sure. just, it's just weed what do we care you know they just have signs now they're just like no not even cannabis or vaping when they say no smoking like they're uh, and i you know i it's weird because as much as i love smoking i also love not smelling cigarette smoke sure anymore you know like when i does when i do come across it it's actually kind of shocking how uh how pungent it is and how unpleasant it is because uh, they just never smell it anymore you know yeah. everywhere you go is no no smoking but then they they got to twist it in they got to add you know especially when they go no vaping it's like well now you're getting into a re- weird area because a lot of vapes smell delightful of course like you know people's colognes smell worse than vapes like what you know yeah yeah why yeah. are you drawing the line on that the, the, no axe body spray <laughs> yeah no, they should really expand this this list absolutely um yeah i would love to get to a place i mean i like to smoke i still struggle i go every time i smoke i go through a mini existential crisis in in my road to like enjoying it mm-hmm. and i still haven't like smoothed that out whenever i'm whenever i get stoned to the degree that i want i know i'm about to have fun because for a moment i go like i'm gonna die someday i think about like bodies i get very like existential and it's it's a dark place yeah and i still haven't maybe i need to smoke more often i'll move past it but it's like i still have this existential dip and it prevents me from i want to smoke more right but I hate that dip. Do you uh, do you ever have d- d- a dark place you go to? I or think you just if that I, I feel like that can happen because it's just any kind of random thought you have when you're really high could end up you know going very deep when you it goes further. It's like my ready for it. Yeah, my ability to just like feel yeah. it goes deeper, and I think I I just like I've been in cars where someone's driving, and all I can think is like I start thinking, oh, if I got in a car accident. And I, I like I, my mind, I can't control it. It goes through the and I would go through the window and it would do this and I would feel this and then I'd be gone. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it can get intense like that. And, uh, you know, but I always, you know, for the most part, write it off as like, well, I'm, I'm just high right now because <laughs> it does. Uh, yeah, it does bring the bad thoughts and the paranoia. You know, you start to I was in a hotel room recently where. You know, I used to on occasion put like uh, something over the uh, smoke detector in a hotel room. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then eventually I stopped because, you know, uh, vape and, and cannabis, uh, all that stuff doesn't really affect hotel s- smoke alarms. They yeah. Just, they tend not to go off. Sure. That stuff it really has to be like something's on fire or you're smoking a cigarette, blowing it right into it. So I generally just don't worry about those, you know, try to open a window or something if I can. But I was just in a hotel room there where the room was completely sealed up, but checked into the room and there is a a baggie like a, uh, you know, uh, plastic bag you wear in the shower, shower cap over the smoke detector, which is like an old trick. Like you just take the because sometimes a lot of hotels have a shower cap next to the shower. Yeah. And you just take that, put it over the thing and that and then that way, you know, you probably won't set it off if you smoke. But it was there when we checked in. And I was like, so, and of course I forgot to ask, you know, because I knew other people staying in the hotel because there was other comedians in the same hotel. But I forgot to ask anybody, but I just spent the whole time wondering, like, was that the guest before us did that so they could smoke in the room? Or the hotel does that? Because 
Or the staff. Maybe the staff, someone was cleaning and, you know, they, they want to get high. I don't know. They... Yeah, that's the thing. I don't know why, how it got there. And if we were supposed to leave it there or like if, when we checked out, if the uh, person that comes in and cleans the room goes, why did they put that up there? Like, <laughs> you know, but if I taken it off, would they go, why did he take it off? Like, you know, I just, so I didn't, ultimately I didn't mess with it and I haven't heard anything about it. So I'm sure it's fine. But, but being high and having that sort of thing happening I really, I already have a tendency to fixate on things, but being high, you know, amps that up. So that's why I was yeah. so focused on it, but then ultimately let it go. Like now looking back on it, I'm, I'm like, oh, I really should have followed up more, but I'm glad I didn't because it means that I was able to move on and not be too obsessed with it. Now, is there any, is there any downside? Does it feel different? Does it feel ever less fun that it's all legal now or that everyone's getting into it or you've, it's all no. been good? No, cause it's still, you know, you still can't just light up a joint outside of a school or something, sure. you know, without maybe somebody yelling at you. I'm amazed. I just amazed walking in New York and seeing people smoking bongs out in the open. Yeah. It, it's still... I mean, I, I just remember being scared. I remember my dad telling my dad always my dad's biggest fear was I wouldn't smoke. But a friend would be like, hey, hold this joint for a second. I need to tie my shoe. <laughs> yeah. And that's when the cops would yeah. fucking bust me. He told me that story a million times. And uh, I, 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 I didn't touch it. Until... But that's how they are. Like I, I a couple of times in New York, I got I've been like had cops like really, you know, sweating me hard enough. So I think, is this going to really lead to like an arrest or something? But then they, you know found something else to go do there's uh, so much bigger fish yeah to fry. there's so much else you just have to just has to take a minute but they still like to sweat you and make you think you know, you're in huge trouble just for like smoking a joint out on the street you know uh but again you know being white has really been uh helpful that's why that. they stopped they they said oh wait uh you have pot but there's a black guy over there with yeah pot. we're gonna go to that well, there's a black guy over there doing nothing doing nothing you have pot <laughs> But oh, there's a black guy. Let's uh, go check. Let's go see over what there. he might be up to. Um, <laughs> all right, well, let's go to our. Uh, uh, this has got to stop. This has got to stop. This has got to stop. I uh, I, no, no, I normally have a co-host, um, and he he wanted to pass along one. I'm going to do his. Uh, uh, in the oh, okay. Uh, I'll do my quick. He he was just wanted to. There's been a lot of talk with this new James Bond movie, where people are like, "Who's going to be the new James Bond?" And there there seems to be with James Bond this like this like hope like. Oh, you know, make it someone, make it a woman, make it, make it a black guy, make sure. it someone not the James Bond and and uh, my my co-host Russell, and I agree with him. There's this thing of like, why do why would you want James Bond to be the representation of any community? This is a like a murderer, mm -hmm. a chauvinistic murderous spy. Yeah, and it, I think it's a it's not exactly the role of like you you want a community to be a president, to maybe be the speaker at a thing. But like James Bond is not a good person, so it's a, there's a strange kind of desire to like use, I guess, a cultural icon to to like, I don't know, rectify or make progress. And it's like, well, this guy's not great. So that was his. This has got to stop. Is this wanting James Bond to like represent? Well, maybe progress. the solution is stop making the progress. Stop making the 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 movement forward in the villain character. They have all sorts of exotic villains <laughs> in James Bond movies. It's rarely just a white guy, you know? It's always, they're always up to something. They're at least bi or something, you know? Yeah, like yeah, something's yeah. going on. <laughs> so yeah, but then of course, 
I don't know. I, it is weird that they want, they basically want to make James Bond a better person at the same time because they don't want the, the whatever culture he represents. Like, cause, cause Daniel Craig's already pushing the bar of like, yeah. you know, Pierce Brosnan before him, you know, each guy who came along made James Bond a little less sexist. Yeah. You yeah. know, as they move forward. So now they can move into one that's not sexist at all. And the best way to do that is if it's, you know, a woman or. I just love this idea <laughs> that like, that the whole audience of James Bond is going to like, yeah, sure. Change, change James Bond to a woman. And then my dad will become a feminist. Like he's going to see it and be like, Oh, I guess a woman can be a, a spy. I am no longer a, a misogynistic 67-year-old well, man. You got to make people mad. Like, yeah. you know, like the Lady Ghostbusters made people mad. You yeah. know, like that's what that's the that's what you got to do now is is not just make something about women hunting ghosts. It had to be like, we're going to take these beloved men and replace them with women. Like, as soon as you're saying we're taking this beloved thing and replacing it with something that's not the same, yeah. then you're like causing so much attention on this thing. Why not just why not just create original things? Well, you know why? Because they get a big... They, they need they, the name. They need they, the, the name yeah. James Bond is going to sell tickets. And if you just, you know, change anything about his name... You could change everything else, but if it's still got to be James Bond that's somehow. The, and that's where I'm like, well, look, it's it's on the human being's fault. We're so easily – you could make – you know, Whoopi Goldberg is the new James Bond, and it still would, like, sell a certain number of tickets. I might yeah. see that one. Yeah, as long as it's still James Bond. But Whoopi Goldberg is a spy who acts like James Bond. I, you know, you're not even going to get financing to make that. Exactly. Exactly. And it's not fair because it could be an excellent script – and a great idea, you know, could be well executed, but the money wants to, you know, remain safe yeah. and patriarchal. Well, that's what, so whoever, Barbara Broccoli, she <laughs> yeah. she runs the whole James Bond. Yeah, Cubby Broccoli passed away. Was that, was that his name? Albert Cubby Broccoli. Like his nickname was Cubby and I believe he might have even had it in his name, like, you know, in, in the credits. Mm -hmm. Might have said Albert Cubby Broccoli. I want to know the history because that's Italian. I maybe guess. it says our, our broccoli now that I think about it. But yeah, very Italian, very just had the rights to this thing and kept it as sexist as he could for as long as he could. <laughs> he did a good job. He did a if really good job. That was his goal. He really held he on. He did a really good job of keeping, you know, keeping James Bond to his roots, uh, you know, of the, that very first movie where. He sleeps with a woman, then slaps her around, and then doesn't care when she gets murdered. Which one? Which is that? Just all of them? The That's first the first one. Doctor No had that in it. Like he got less abusive. You know, obviously there's Sean he, Connery was the first. He abuses women throughout. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. The first one. And he well, and there was he, somebody before him that did some movie that you know that didn't really spark the the series that we know now. Mm. And there was also like a, I think it was on TV even. It was called. They made a version of Casino Royale. I think that's been made like three times now. That one. Anyway. <laughs> um, and did, did you have a? a I'm a movie nerd who grew up on James Bond and loved James Bond. I and loved now, it. And now I, has to reevaluate every second of it. You I know? was just into the gadgets. I made my yeah. dad. We made a suitcase with a false bottom, and like that. That was the kind of stuff. Yeah. I wasn't like as a kid being like slapping women around. 
and then pushing them on the playground like i don't care about you anymore yeah well because they would you know they'd be double crossers generally like they kind of deserved it yeah 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 exactly that (laughs) That they'd set up the (laughs) set it up the story they're like well she she obviously is you know with the other sides that makes her somebody that should just be murdered like that's the hilarious thing about the premise of 007 james bond is his license to kill He's just one of like a handful of agents in the Secret Service in England that just can kill a person for any reason. Yeah, and, and no, no, for no, and there's no consequences. Um, <laughs> did you have? A... They just go Bond. <laughs> now, now, Bond. They like, give him a slap on the wrist. They're always like, get, like, you know, shaking their heads, like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have given this guy a license to kill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're like, we're going to have to lie to a lot of families right now that have lost their loved ones. Um, That's why their names are like M and Q. Like, they don't want anybody to know who they really are. <laughs> um, did you ever This Has Got to Stop? You bring one? Oh, yes. When, you know, I know it's not supposed to be like an information source. I know it's not Google. But sometimes I want to just get people's opinion about something via social media. So I'll ask a question on Twitter, and it's the comedy answers to a sincere question has to stop. It's just too much. It's well, it's, it's got to be tough for you. Endless. I mean, you 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 can ask a what's you like a sincere question you, you wanted can't. to know. The answer like if I'm to. like I'm going to be in Poughkeepsie, like where's a good place to get a drink or what's my a mom's good butthole? Yeah, I don't know why I wanted that one. Or, or, or the unhelpful is always the helpfully unhelpful where, uh, you know, hey, I'm doing a show in Chicago. Hope to see you there. And then the response, I'm not in Chicago. I'd come to your show if I was. <laughs> you know, it's like, OK, why are we having this exchange? You know, but people want to be heard and I'm, I'm hearing them. So you want <laughs> a sincere social media when called for, like, you know, if, if I make a joke, people can make their jokes. But, like, I love on Twitter that you can just – some jokes I'm just like, I don't want to read what people think the tag for this joke should be. So I'll just put, you know, nobody can comment. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it might hurt the overall uh, numbers for that tweet, you know, because interaction is so important. Yeah. But I just love it. I just love being – because it's like it's the same thing in a comedy club. If you say a joke – and somebody in the audience decides that they've they're going to add something to it. You can just talk louder than them or uh-huh. make fun of them or whatever, what you know, whatever. But it's just that freedom that they have to do it on Twitter, and and that's what hurts the most about. It. That's why I wanted to stop is because a lot of times it's well intended. Of course, they're not trying to be a dick, but they don't know that that question I just asked that fifty people just responded with the same joke answer. I like a comedian's in Poughkeepsie and cannot find the best place (laughs) to get a pizza because no one will give him a sincere answer. Because they won't really give you a sincere answer. Or, on the other hand, see, that's the thing, is there's so much to complain about with social media. Because on the other hand, when I say I'm in a town, I don't need to know everything that I need to do while I'm there. Yeah. I have a show to do, a hotel to check out, like if you know things about specifically about my room. Like if the faucet's tricky in the bathroom and you know how to turn it on, but I don't, I don't need, you have to get the sandwich at this place that's 10 miles from where you are. You have to go on this date and ask for this person and do this thing. 
Because also, if you follow through on all that, a lot of times it's going to be a dead end. Like, they're going to go, what are you talking about? Yeah. You get there, this restaurant's been closed for you, 10 yeah. years. We don't even- You've wasted your time. We don't know time. what you're talking about. Um, yeah, the like people that have like a lot of advice. But I bring that on myself because I like movies and, and restaurants and stuff. And so, in talking about that stuff in my travels, people will be, you know, they're trying to be helpful. But a lot of times it's in response to- a specific question. Mm. Where do I go for pizza in Poughkeepsie? I don't know, but if you like lamb, be sure to, if you get on the turnpike, <laughs> you know, I'm just like, I'm just like a comedian who wants to walk across the street to, <laughs> to you know, I want something that's like, you know, I'm downtown. What's downtown? Yeah. Know? Like, I just want it to be as easy and peasy as possible. Uh, but, you know, other comics are very ambitious about, you know, checking out certain things when they I go like to, to do a town. one museum. I like to get one museum in there. A museum in every town you visit? Yeah, I'm still new new to it, but I Have I, you been to Appleton, Wisconsin? I I was I did Skyline Comedy Club this year. Did you go to the uh Houdini Museum? It was fucking closed. What? It was fucking closed. No. I wanted to go to it for sure. I was so that excited. was the number one thing I was going to do. It's a good museum. I uh, don't, I couldn't tell you. I just remember walking through it going, I can't believe that they have the nerve <laughs> to call this a museum. Oh, it's like, uh, I mean, it's, you got to really be into Houdini <laughs> and also not, you're not going to see like cool Houdini shit. You're just going to see like, that's where his bed was, you know, and that's. You know, I don't. I don't even know. This is, this is I don't the, even remember if the space where the museum is is like where he lived, or it's just his stuff brought to a place. I don't even remember. I just remember going because somebody else wanted to go, and just having regret the whole time. But I like your spirit of like going to museums. Yeah. But museums are like the number one. Like I gotta really be in a super special For place. Sure. And probably need to go alone. You gotta love because the person. You never have the same you don't agree on should we look at this painting for ten minutes or for two seconds? Like it's hard to agree with another person. Yeah. I've been to those <laughs> those 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 about a person where like with the Houdini, it's like here's here's the receipt for the handcuffs he bought once. They do that with Dangerfield all the time. Like day I will see Dangerfield exhibits places and it's like this is the napkin. This yeah. is the, this is it's it's whatever they can do to fill this. It's like it's like a comic with five minutes doing an hour, a museum version of that. But Houdini was closed because the because of the pandemic. I think or, it was. Or I hope it reopens so that people can go and you've you've learn all about him. You really made it seem like it's not worth anyone. Well, because I I just that it's there is amazing to me you know and i feel bad that they might have closed because of the pandemic they need to close on their own terms which is that it's not a good museum <laughs> <laughs> they need to reopen and let some people come through and show them the, uh the error of their ways but I, I you know maybe i should give it another try it's been a long time they, they just, really add, they don't just added a napkin he used for breakfast once at a neighboring town I don't remember the napkin or anything. I couldn't tell you any anything about the Houdini Museum other than I was, uh, you know, underwhelmed. And, and but on the other hand, the Paramount Theater in Austin, Texas. If I'm there with anybody I've ever, uh, you know, I, 
even strangers, if I'm next to someone, I'm in that theater, I feel compelled. I always have to tell people that there's a hole in the ceiling. It's got like a beautiful ceiling that's painted, you know, uh, but there's a, a little hole that you can see from any seat on the floor uh, that was put there by Houdini for one of his bits when he performed at that theater. So there's just this permanent hole in the ceiling. I don't even know what the bit was or if it's even true, but I just tell everybody that that's the Houdini hole. That's worth more than the entire Houdini So much more interesting that that happened, that he left a hole somewhere that's just there forever than, you know, some of his shit, his napkins. Though now that I've heard that, if I ever... If I ever own a shitty theater that has holes in the ceiling, I'm going to be like, you know what these holes are from. Right. I think that might be the Paramount Theater might just be somebody was smart enough to come up with a good story for that hole. And the Houdini hole. And it's just made up. The Houdini didn't do shit to that hole. Um, all right. Well, let's oh, let's wrap this <laughs> up. Uh, let, let's go to uh, uh, this is now uh, the You Better Count Your Blessing. You better count. Your blessing. Good heart. Sing it for the downside. Um, uh, uh, my blessing's pretty simple. Every time I'm in LA, this is my blessing. My my mother lives here. My she she currently she's in a cast. She had a big ankle surgery, but she still is helping me out with so many of these fucking rides. She's taking care of me, and uh, I can't imagine what these trips would be like without without having my my mommy here. It is a real blessing to have her and she's she's still down to do these spots see these shows and uh thank you mom how how'd she end is she from la no she was in uh maryland uh her and my stepdad uh got got divorced and uh she was in dc maryland area for a bit and then my sister's out here she's a dancer katie cagle she's a dancer another sister does fashion sales and my mom just made the big big leap Big leap for huge. you know, huge, and uh, we didn't know if it would stick, but but now she's got a boyfriend. She lives in the Palisades, and uh, she's an wow. LA gal now. She's... I mean, that's perfect for you because you know re- you're remaining an East Coaster. Yep. But in show business, and have plenty of reasons to come to LA. And, and then now mom's always here. Her boyfriend had a cat. My girlfriend's definitely allergic, so last time we couldn't stay with them, but. Uh, another blessing the cat died oh, and so now my girlfriend and i goodness. can stay there <laughs> and my mom is not gonna let him get another cat so oh man doesn't doesn't the doesn't he dying to get another cat isn't that like what people uh, do listen, it's, it's the cat or my mom so wow we'll see which pussy he chooses that's i mean especially when he's mourning the old cat <laughs> seems like a rough time to be told you can't get a new cat <laughs> <laughs> Listen, my, I my, guess he knew what he was getting into. He knew what he was the getting into. The old cat was like days were numbered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like no one was gonna see if there's if that cat has eight more lives. It was natural causes, though. My mom did not do anything. Oh, she just beautiful. she just let time time do its. It's a beautiful story. Do its crime. Thank you. Uh, do you have a blessing to close us out? Uh yeah. I you know these kind of questions are you. You always worry that you're not. Uh, in the right zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt like you wanted something more specific than what I want to say, but I have a specific example to go with why I feel this way. And so my blessing is to music. Mm. 
I've just been thinking about music a lot lately and how I like it to be around most of the time and that, you know, it makes most things better. You can, you can cheat and make something better through music. Like these people that are TikTok stars are uh-huh. just using other people's really catchy music. And that's so much of the, like, and just commercials and movies. Like sometimes you just get a great, you like feel great in a moment watching a movie. And it's just because of the song they threw on that they didn't create at all. The makers of that movie, they just got to pick it and pay for it and put it in there. And it really raises you up. But that's coming out of the pandemic. Like I didn't listen to that much music at home. You know, I mostly watch TV and movies. And, you know, if I listen to something, it was talk stuff. So I didn't have a lot of music during the pandemic. So now that we're out and about again, even though a lot of it is like, you know, you roll your eyes, like, why are they playing this song in this place? It's still just uh, just having music around is just it's nice and i decided the only time that i don't want to hear music is when i'm trying to parallel park a car sure that's the only time <laughs> listen i agree i think i you appreciate music even more when you hear bad music because i do like workout videos on youtube and like they can't they don't want to pay for the rights to like real music they want to keep all the money sure. so they play like bad like kind of dude and when you hear that for an hour you're like oh music is so important to the experience of anything so i i think that's that's a beautiful blessing oh good um i wanted to say real quick i want to give a shout out uh before we go my friend jay nog he's a stand-up comedian he has a new special out i told him i give him a shout out it's called something from nothing it's out on comedy dynamics right now he he filmed it he did a, he was doing a lot of the drive in shows during the pandemic. Sure. So he filmed he filmed an hour and uh Oh that'll be I think that'll be a fun watch. I think that these uh kind of things that people came came up with to do stand up, uh, you know, outdoors like rooftops and yeah. drive ins. I, I wanna see more specials done that way to not only capture what happened, but also it's just another way to open up stand up more instead yeah. of just somebody standing in front of a fucking curtain. Mm-hmm. I think about it a lot. Like what would a re- what would it take me to like seek out a stand up special? Like what's, you know, something that makes it a little, what's different about it is are the people, do they have their car engines on and they can drive over the performer if they don't like it? <laughs> I'd watch that. Cause it'd be exciting. Like, you know, every once in a while you see somebody's car inch forward a little bit, like they're thinking about it. The setup's taking a little long. You're the... Arr, 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 arr. <laughs> little, little polite flash of the lights. <laughs> I'm coming for you. I used to say when I would do those drive-in shows that it was like uh, being a person dr- that was just traveling through the Radiator Springs from Pixar's uh, Cars. Uh-huh. You know, like you're just a comedian performing for Cars. <laughs> the the, the uh, cars that came to life, and you're just standing on stage going... So, uh, what factory are you from? Um, well, on that note, then I'll plug. Uh, fuck, I, I I shot an outdoor special last year, Shelf nice. Life on Amazon. Uh, check that one out after you check out Jay Noggs, Something from Nothing. Anything you wanted to plug? I have done nothing outdoors my entire life. <laughs> I, uh, but Doug Loves Movies is uh, actually, we've performed at a couple of festivals outside, so I guess that would count. 
uh, comedy festivals have been like, do Doug Loves Movies outside. I'm like, that's a terrible idea. Mm. And then, you know, and then we do it. But uh, DougLovesMovies.com is where you can go for all of my podcasts and uh, stand up road dates. And um, of course, I've already extended an invitation to you I'd to be on Douglas movies and that would that I'm hoping that that will happen real soon. And if, if you know, Renan Hirschberg, uh, <laughs> hire him for something. He just lost $2,500. Give him a good gig. He just sent them that money. Like, well, that's the part. I that... just don't get why you just didn't just take a beat. Like, don't do it. You know, like, did you just send it right back to him or did he really wait a second? You got to ask what was someone, happening. you got to call a friend say, Hey, does this sound weird? Yeah, just like, uh, you know, and also just embrace that you could have kept the whole three grand. Like, why wasn't that the impulse? <laughs> well, that that's the lesson from today's episode of The Downside. Renan Hirschberg and everyone out there, just keep the three grand. Just keep because it. And you then know what? if it's really their money, they're going to get it. They're going to keep coming after you for it if it's really their money. But instead, it's money that was never there to begin with. Never there. So if he'd have done nothing, nothing would have happened. You got two options in life. You're <laughs> either the scammer or the scammy. This is the downside. One, two, three. Downside.